what that vision looks like. Um, this is not only very important in these times and in planning for that, but also must include young people. It is very important, and I always, as a young person, I can say nothing for us without us. You can't plan our future without us. Uh, with that, I'm in Papua New Guinea, so 60% of our population is youth, and because of that, um, the UN here is focusing uh, our UN 75 on the youth population and what their hopes and dreams are for the future. So with that, um, I would like to welcome our panelists who are with us today. So firstly, the UN Deputy Secretary General, Her Excellency Madam Amina J. Mohammed. Ranking official in the United Nations after the Secretary General. Also with us today, we have UNAIDS Executive Director, so she's the head of UNAIDS globally, Ms. Winnie Yanima. And we also have the privilege of having with us the UN Secretary General's Envoy on Youth, Ms. Jayatma Vikramanayate. Now, uh, for this dialogue, we brought together about 26 young people from across the four regions of the country, and in preparation for the dialogue, they got together in the city to talk about what it is they would like to share on behalf of the youth of Papua New Guinea, um, and on behalf of the youth of Papua New Guinea. And for that, they've selected four speakers who are representing them and the youth here to be on the panel. So I would like to introduce to you our four speakers today. First, we have Mr. David Aunekarupa. David is from the National Youth Development Authority. Uh, we have Yolani Abeku. Teacher Biodiversity Network. Mr. Dagia Aka from Transparency And we have Ms. Lucy Minor who is an advocate for sports and education and the current reigning Miss PNG. This time I would also like to extend a welcome to those who are joining us on Facebook Live um, and also on NBC. Uh, without further ado, I would like to hand over the floor to uh, Madam. Just yes, Chief, Your Excellencies, <laughs> But uh, first of all, happy Women's Day, because what a place to be in. This is when the UN comes to Papua New Guinea for Women's Day, and that you don't have to go to New York. And, and that's important for us. This is what my sister Winnie and Jayatma um, were, were really absolutely on top of it, saying we have to get out of our capitals and come here. So it's really wonderful to be with you. Um, it is. Uh, UN at 75, uh, we are part of the global village, all of us. As I look around here, I'm looking at you and thinking, this is just like looking at people at home. When he's from Uganda, I'm from Nigeria, and there's Sri Lanka him, you could all be from Nigeria as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and the UN at 75 means a lot to us, because for the first time, we have a Secretary General who, first of all, is a feminist and puts women first. Um, but he also believes in being inclusive and that we are the global village. Um, and the, the town hall is the UN. Everyone has a voice, and it's up to us to bring that voice into it. And so as we shape um, the next 75 years, we think it should be done together. 
it should be done. Women and men shaping the future. What better way to start than the youth? Um, we've started asking a number of questions around the world. They're the same to all youth, and it would be interesting to, to see what, you, what your take is on that, because as part of the, this village, it's, it's really important. Um, and that first question I'd like to put out to um, our audience here. And I know you've got three cards, uh, um, red, green, yellow, yes? Um, and I think the yellow is, I don't know. Not decided, okay. Um, and, and then I would come back with some very quick, um, as they say, uh, fast answers from our panel um, with the same question, and if you think about it in a tweet, that's how short. Um, so the, the first is that in, in um, 2045, another 25, 75 years from now, 25 years from now, would you think that the world would be a better place, uh, a worse place, or the same? So, better place. Um, worse? Fantastic. And you don't have. Okay, that's cool. Right, so let's come back to the panel because these are your representatives as well, and, and it'd be really good to hear what they have to say because it's Women's Day and we've started this evening. Well, first of all, can I just say it's such an honor to be, to have you in our country. And based on what my group have concluded is that it's up to us as an individual. We don't have control of what we don't have control of, but what we do have control of is ourselves and our actions. And it takes action to make change happen. And with, here in Papua New Guinea, we have at least two families that live in a home. So when we have at least an individual that sets that good example, that spreads the, the message, the good message, the awareness, then only then can we hope that that would influence and impact our families, which in turn would impact our communities, and then we can progress into the right direction. Well, we saw a number of green cards go up, and I think it's safe to say that majority felt that in 25 years, that the people would be better off than what we see today. However, given the yellow cards that went up, we did say that in order for that to be possible, there are a few things that need to happen. First and foremost, ensuring that we have strong governance institutions to ensure countries are run properly. Secondly, ensuring that there is proper delivery of services and equal distribution of resources to all areas around any country, most especially rural areas. And finally, ensuring that more opportunities are available for people, most especially young people, to ensure that they're properly engaged and can contribute positively to their country. Fantastic, you've got a good idea of the challenges are, you have the solutions, and really basically the old people should move aside. Okay, let me come to my sister here. Off you go. Hi, I'm Yolani. I start with the yellow card and go to the green card. So we're unsure. Climate crisis needs to be unsure. We don't know how it's going to turn out. And it, we believe it's going to turn out okay. And that shows a little bit of yellow, but a lot of green. And to achieve a lot of green, we need people on top of the humans. Because there's nobody as resilient and, and determined on this planet as you get a couple of years. Fantastic. How are you going to be going green and greening the world? <laughs> Last but certainly not least, go for it. As I welcome you to Papua New Guinea, my native language, my name is David, and I'd like to start off with the green cards that on behalf of 
second generation of Papua New Guinea, we are optimistic because we believe in the power of the energy, the influence, the young people carrying with us, because we are the generation that's no longer sitting back and doing nothing, but we are activists ourselves. We are the ones who are driving us, we are creative, and therefore we can change the global perspective of the development that we want to see, and the power lies within the youth. Um, the yellow card that I'd like to make probably a little bit elaborate on is that now that we have the youth pouch, the decision is upon us whether we invest in youth or we sit back and do nothing about it. The disempowerment of youth can be a weapon of destruction um, in come 2045. Amazing, so fantastic feedback. I'm going to turn over to my two sisters, and how would like it to go because we do want to hear from you um, is to, to get the youth of the United Nations um, asking you a few questions and then come to Winnie and hopefully I can wrap up if you haven't already done the job by then. Thank you so much, uh, DSG. This is working. I think I'm loud enough. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for coming and for meeting with us and also sharing. Oh. Uh, also sharing with us um, all your ideas, uh, proposals, and, and as you said, unapologetic uh, views of the United Nations, of our governance systems, as you said, about climate change and other issues that affect us as a generation. Uh, so just to move ahead with the conversation that we've just started, I want to ask from all of you, uh, in 2045, as most of you said, um, you aspire for a better world for everyone. If uh, we are going to achieve that world, then as young people, as the largest generation ever to inhabit this planet, not just in Papua New Guinea, but in the entire world, as global citizens, there are certain things that we can do as young people. So I want to ask from you, what are the top three things that you think you can do as a young person, as an individual, as somebody who belongs to a youth organization, as someone who belongs to the largest generation of young people who are so connected through internet, through social media, and other networks. What are the top three things that you can do to create that world in 2045? So let's start from the panel, and then I would also really like to hear from uh, those of you in the room. David, do you want to start? Oh, sure. Um, thank you. Uh, the top three things that I'd like to see, first of all, is and all forms of violence and acts of discrimination to all women, people of diverse sexuality and disability. And that's, I think, the reason why the DSG is here is also to launch the Spotlight Initiative here in Papua New Guinea, because one in three women in Papua New Guinea have at least experienced domestic or sexual violence as we speak. And also, I would like on behalf of the young people, the equal access to services, resources, and distribution of wealth, because the literacy rate of Papua New Guinea is also 56%, and here we're talking about 44%, which is illiterate, according to the Papua New Guinea Education Advocacy Network. And one in five women die of childbirth. So these are effects of um, distribution, lack of distribution of wealth evenly. Um, also, we'd like to see an inclusive world where we can embrace diversity, that we can coexist and co-create at the same time. So as young people, I think that our influence and who we choose to be our leaders in the political space does really drive um, the three first priorities that I have made mention to become reality. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, I, I'd like to give a little bit of background about Papua New Guinea before I talk about what the three things I have here. 
So we, we are a little nation. And I think you have seen on the map, we're teeny tiny. Um, we make up less than 1% of the world's land surface area. But yet, we contribute to 5 to 7% of the biodiversity. This is reflected in our cultural diversity. I think if, when you read, I think you had a little bit of background about Papua New Guinea, and you realized we're the most culturally diverse country on this planet, with like over 800 and something different languages. Okay. And you asked me, uh, asked us, not just me, a question about what we are doing to create the change that we want to see in 2025. And so we have here for Team Planet a stable climate, okay? sustainable natural resource use. And then we have um, the official recognition of indigenous peoples, their lands, um, their rights and concerns to their lands and their environment. And we say, become like this as a nation that's indigenous. Okay. And we also come like this as a nation that's new to the world as Papua New Guinea. We're only 45 years old here. Like you and 75, 75 years ago we weren't even here as a nation. But we joined this planet as a nation um, that's 45 years old but an ancient people. Ancient people. I've got 60,000 year old genes running on me right now. So do you guys, it's not just me, so do you guys. Okay. And so um, what do I do? How what do I do? So you have to run 196 something different countries, United Nations. Papua New Guinea has to run 800 something different languages and put together a thousand different tribes in order to work. Okay, that's challenging. You know it's challenging because you've got 100. We've got 800 different languages and a thousand different tribes, so that's like, um, how do you run 196 and when we have like 800 to take care of different languages? If we can do it, so can you. And that's how we contribute to the world. And how do I contribute to the world? How do I contribute to the world? I come from very different cultures to a lot of these people. When they speak their language, I have no idea what they're saying half the time. Okay? And what I could do, I do what I'm doing right now. I'm a biologist. I spend most of my time in the bush, and that's why I don't really know protocol, how to behave around human beings. But, um, what I would do, and what I am doing, is leave my home, and leave the culture I know, and leave the people I know, and go into another different culture, and sit down and listen, and listen, and not just listen because you want to answer a question, you really want to answer the question. So the person in the village, when he says something, and you hear it, you are saying, I take this concern, and I bring it up there, and when I make a decision, I think I make the decision with you on mine, with you in mind. Okay. And I think that's what you guys are doing with this idea. Yeah. It's making sure that the person in Papua New Guinea is saying, I'm here, please listen to me. But it's not just please listen to me, I can contribute to how this world will be. So I think in terms of the three things that we can make sure that we see the type of future that we want in, in 2045, I'm going to say that first and foremost, empowerment. As an empowered young person, I must make sure that it doesn't stop with me, but it continues to every single young person out there. And that means making sure that those in rural areas, those that don't have the opportunities such as we do, are also empowered so they can in turn contribute and create the type of future that they want for themselves. But after empowering them, ensuring that there are pathways and avenues for them to use these things that they have been empowered with, to use their voices, to use their skills, and whatever it is that they have been bestowed with. And the final thing, ensuring that they are able to get their views and their opinions properly integrated and put into policies and anything that affects them as young people. 
And I just wanted to add on in, in our discussions, apart from the top three things that we can do as young people, we also said that three things that we wanted to see come 2045 is number one, to provide a, a bit of local context. Um, we have a lot of crimes within urban areas and tribal conflicts within rural areas. And so we wanted to make sure that come 2045, there's disarmament and proper regulation of weapons to ensure safety of people within society. We also wanted to say that we want to ensure that come 2045, we have responsive and strong leadership, ensuring that the leaders that we have are able to take into account what citizens say and be able to create a country that is economically stable and caters for every single citizen. But most importantly, we also said that we wanted to ensure that we have enforced and properly um, informed policies and or laws, ensuring that any policy or law is created is once is specifically informed, taking into account local realities and enforced, so that they're not pieces of writing on, on paper, but they're out there making sure that we protect the rights of the marginalized, such as women and young people. Your question was what three things are we doing? I'm gonna share what three things we'd like to see, and within my own group, what we have been doing in terms of to get to that. The first thing is we'd like to see equal representation in all genders with regards to education. Here in Papua New Guinea, as young girls get into higher education, that number slowly decreases, and for numerous reasons. I am Miss Pacific Islands Papua New Guinea, and part of my platform, we give out scholarships. We'd like to see the same opportunities given, but not just at the tertiary level, but at the lower education level as well. We'd like to see more representation of the youths, and we are thankful to the UNMPNG to host this, because if it wasn't for this, we would not have all met. And we are committed to staying in touch and networking so that we can have more conversations like this, and I'm thankful to the UN for sparking this that's global and it's not just happening in Papua New Guinea or the Pacific but everywhere else like where you come from as well. And so one thing we can do is we can stay committed to continually having these discussions and pushing forward the agendas, especially having our voices heard, not just within our country but make a movement and get that message to our political leaders because at, at the end of the day they're the ones who make the decisions. But we are also responsible of that because we appoint them in there. And so if we really think about it, you know, if actions are not taken, then we, the people, are in charge and we can do something about that. The third thing is having information available. Papua New Guinea is geographically challenged. A lot of time, everyone flew in, well not everyone, some of us are from the capital, but to get to different provinces within our country, unlike the United States, for example, where you can drive, <coughs> here you might have to get on a plane. Once you get there, it's maybe another two hours driving on dirt road. Then you get there, maybe you might have to get on a boat. If I take days, depends on where you come from. You get there, it's another maybe a couple hours of walking. And there are a lot of services and resources available, but our people, which about 70 to 80% of the people live in rural areas, don't have access to this information. And so my peers, I know they, who come from rural areas are spreading that and making information available, but also challenging themselves to translate that information to where our people in the rural areas understand as well. Thank you very much for all of you for sharing um, such honest reflections of uh, what you want to see in the future, but also what you are doing um, right now.
when I, for an example, at the UN, trying to push for more meaningful youth engagement in the work that we do at the global level, regional level, and country level, I make three arguments. The first one is if you, young people have a right to participate in decisions that affect our lives, right? How do you expect us to own institutions, policies, and programs that affect our lives if we were not a part of making them at the first place? And secondly, we, and most of you said this, we will hold leaders accountable. We will be the ones who vote, we will be the ones who will be protesting on the streets, who will be holding these institutions, politicians, leaders to account. So accountability, I think young people as a generation, we are very strong on holding our leaders to account. And the third is that we are the ones who are bringing the critical voice into institutions, into organizations, into conversations. And I think we've heard some of those critical voices right now in these first two rounds of questions. But I would really try to poke you a little bit more and provoke you uh, to be as critical as possible and also to share um, what challenges do you aspire in achieving this world in 2045 and achieving the three targets or, or um, your dreams for the for 2045? What challenges do you see both in the context of Papua New Guinea but also in the global context that the United Nations as an intergovernmental organization um, operate? And how do you how would you critically evaluate the role of the United Nations both here in, in PNG and and how do you recommend that we uh, cope with those challenges or, or deal with those challenges? I know that this is a very big question, but I would really like to hear your unfiltered opinions on this. So just before we continue, I would like to remind the panelists uh, to be mindful of the time as we have 25 minutes. Hi, everybody. Hi. Um, I come PSG has told you I come from Uganda. That's in East Africa. So I want to leave you with one word from our language, Swahili. That word is, I'm going to say it, then you repeat it. Huh? It's Harabe. Say it. Harabe. So, Harambe. 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 Now, that word means all together. All together. And it was a rallying cry of our people when they were calling out for, struggling for independence. You mentioned that your country is 45 years old. Most of our countries became independent about that time, a little earlier, 50, 60 years ago. And that was a rallying call all together. That's my message to you, my friends. The future is yours for young people, but it starts with action. Each of you is an activist, and welcome to that. Each of you is acting individually, but I believe in movements and for movements. It's the collective that makes big change happen. So organize, 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 pull together, and you will change the world. So I come from social movements, from the women's movement. The last century was the women's movement. We made huge change in the 20th century for women. There's still battles to fight, but we made a big progress in the last 25, 40, 50 years. This is your century. This is the young people's century. So pull together. Harambe! Harambe! Good luck. So 
I'll start off with the expected challenges as young people that we see in um, in terms of trying to expect the 2045 we want. And as a strong feminist, um, a male champion that um, advocates for women, I'd like to see uh, uh, the challenges that we expect in the future is one on law reforms because we have laws that are in place that discriminate women, girls, LGBTQI to have access to civic participation, freedom of movement, and to co-create while we co-exist. Secondly, one of the challenges that we see itself is the youth, because youth make up 60% of the population. But if more investment is poured into youth, and youth are not tokenized, the youth are brought to the tables for consultation, but have to be in the processes of planning, implementation, monitoring, evaluation, and holding government and protagonist actors accountable, then that is one of the challenges that we see, but that is a way forward that we um, aspire to have that happen um, in Papua New Guinea. And another challenge that we also um, expect is the management of resources and finances and the lack of good governance that exists in Papua New Guinea may I bluntly speak as we top the Asia Pacific um, in corruption um, in the it's corruption index global index and I would like to um, also be optimistic that this generation is looking forward so while we're still optimistic in fighting corruption, we still acknowledge that those challenges do still exist. And let me also reiterate that we are not the now only, but we are the future. And we are the ones who actually shape an anti-corrupt Papua New Guinea, and as well as an inclusive, and also work towards um, reforming those laws that discriminate women, girls, and people of diverse sexualities and identities. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Not allowed to do that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yes. So you asked my um, question on the role of the UN and how obstacles that we face and how um, we can. I mean, not only see the obstacle but also uh, overcoming so Papua New Guinea is, um, the climate crisis, we are an island nation, we are going down, our coast is going down. So I work in a place where big villages now have 10 houses standing, you know. And when, um, when Lucy was talking about how logistically challenging it can be, um, where I come from to come to the nearest um, urban station, uh, you have to paddle. So when you say pull together, pull in competition is like paddle. Pull that can wrap, paddle that can pull, okay? So you paddle that can to get to where you want to go, and sometimes you have to sleep in the middle of the river with the crocodiles and with whatever's inside there, because you pull, but you can only pull as much, okay? And so what we are doing, I'm looking at Yana, she's nodding at me. Yana has to walk. Well, I'm out of her place uh, where she comes from, her village. You have to get a plane, a little tiny plane up. It looks like a toy plane, actually. <laughs> Um, she has to get a little toy plane and come out of there just to come here. And if there's no plane coming that week, we walk. Because the roads are too bad to, for the car to go. You walk out for days. And that does mean that you're going to have to sleep beside that road a couple of nights. A couple of nights to get to Leo, to get to Morris. And that's where they came from. Okay? She came from there. 
islands, Bougainville came from somewhere, okay? And we are just an island of rugged terrain. So pulling together could also mean climbing over the, over a mountain, a limestone, a limestone mountain, where you have nothing to grasp onto, except digging your hands into the soil and just climbing up. I've actually been to a, a place where I have to dig my hands in because there's nothing else to hold on to when you're climbing up that mountain. And what we have here is a group of very determined people, because they know where they came from. Okay. And again, how much do we contribute? So the world could learn so much from us. And how do we pull together? We go into all those places and we've done it before. And we walk out. If we, if we climb up the mountain, we climb it because we're sitting here representing everybody who walked and climbed and went through that forest to get here. Okay? And what role do you play? We've come a long way and we've worked hard to come that way. Whether it meant fighting a war, it meant walking through a river of intersectional tobacco. We came a long way. You said you are a room. Okay, you are a room that we all met inside. I used your the example of King Arthur when I was explaining what the UN was. We are the round table at which we all sit around. And so when people have come a long way, they're not here to and take time. Okay, we have and so um, our message to you do be the be the table we can all sit at. We accept that. But be the strong table. Because when Papua New Guinea comes and it sits down and the person on the other side of the table isn't listening, we're going to stand on your table and tap down and say, please sir, will you hear us? <laughs> so I would be like, be the strong table, because the change that you want, you want, we're ready to bring it. Are you ready to receive it? That we are running on time. So please keep your answers one minute, at least. So I think a lot has been said in terms of the obstacles that we face when trying to get to the vision that we want to see in 25 years. So I'd just like to really focus on how can the UN um, ensure that we meet uh, what we want to see in 25 years and also adapt or change to ensure that these visions are, are achieved. And I think a lot of times when it comes to issues within country, the UN does come and help in terms of providing solution, providing advice, providing expertise. But I think a lot can be achieved if in terms of the UN's participation in achieving this vision, that we start identifying local solutions and local drivers to bring about the change that we want to see within countries. Papua New Guinea, in the four regions that we have, already knew how to build houses before someone came in and told us that there was one way to build a house. In the same way, there are many solutions that we have other than the one solution that's been brought in. So please, have these local dialogues, not just with us, but go down into these communities and talk about how we can work as a country to solve these issues that we see. I think the diversity in Papua New Guinea is something that should be nurtured and respected and not forced to be confined within a box. Yes. We can create the solution. Aloha. 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 A lot of my peers have mentioned what I was going to say, which is great, but I will just get to the point. So again, youth representation in <coughs> organizations, whether that's public or private. The culture here in Papua New Guinea, again, how many languages, we have the most languages in the world and the most culturally diverse country in the world. We have that challenge to overcome in order to progress. Also changing our mindset and our attitudes. And I'm sure a lot of 
countries have their own and we have our own too. So that's an obstacle for us as a people to overcome in order to make progress. Geographical challenges, as mentioned, so I won't get into that. But the last thing I would like to mention is having user-friendly policies and structures. That's something that, again, 70 to 80% of our people live in rural areas. They come into town because there is this requirement that they need to do this in order to get the help that they may need. But in order to get that, they have to do all these other things and it's not user-friendly for the people. And so we would like to see that being translated to where they are able to get what they need or else they're just stuck. In terms of the UN's role here, to be honest, we don't know much of what the UN's role here is in public opinion. And it's only this thing that brought us together. We're like, okay, so what is the UN's role? To be honest, we're still waiting for what is the UN's role here? We're trying to understand it. I think only now we're grasping a little bit about it, but if we don't understand, how can we translate that information to our people, to our communities, so they can be on the same page? Because there are a lot of organizations within the United Nations, and they are present here, but our people don't know, so how can they use that? And so I think having that information available, but also translated to the people, but not the other challenge is for them to come and receive this information. So how do we work collectively and together to bring that information to them? Because I know somewhere in the Milibay province, they are going through something with regards to international boundaries with ships coming in, oil spills happening, and no one's listening to them. And you know, the UN is the table, so they want to actually voice that problem to the UN, but it's, again, the geographical challenges. How do they get to the UN office here? Where is the UN office here? Thank you. Thank you, panelists. I would just like to, Mikobi, um, you have 10 minutes remaining this time. Okay, so if you want to ask one comment about the UN, I can tell you what the UN has been for us women fighting for women's rights. It was a platform where we could go and get governments to commit on our human rights. And then we could take that commitment back to our country and push governments to honor their commitment. It's a place where you can get the power of the whole world's youth to get commitments and then to come here and use those commitments to get progress for yourselves. So I said the last century was a century for women. We made huge progress, still many challenges, but I see an opening for young people in this century, and the UN is your place. And no better person to tell you how it is there for you than our dearest chief. Thank you very much. Well, we're running out of time, and that's always what we never have enough of, but um, we leave you with all the time and for you to set the, the pace of the urgency. I, I feel the urgency in your voice. Things need to happened yesterday <laughs> um, and, and that's where we all need to be let me just say that it is a journey um, both Winnie and myself and not so much Jan but she's you know halfway there on our journey we've been 30 35 years doing this and we started young like you and nobody could tell us what to do or how to do it and now 30 odd years later we really need to be passing that that baton but not moving out of the way moving behind you which is why today global comes to local um, it's fantastic to hear, you know, or, you know, you've been really honest with us. You don't know what the UN is doing here. 
Um, so there's a job for John Luca, um, who's there with a team. Um, and that team needs to do more. It needs to reach out because it's difficult here. Um, and we also need to work with government to make sure that they're hearing their voices. The UN convenes. It convenes that voice. And, and you know, the richness of this, um, this country, you have a tapestry and you have 800 threads of all you know, are bright and shining. And so your diversity is your richness. And that's what you have to really continue um, to sell uh, to your people, to the rest of the world. Um, and don't let that fabric be torn because it's very easy to tear it. You are a resource-rich country. As you try to share the wealth, it will, be, it will stretch. It will become uh, weaker. But you have to keep pulling on those threads to make sure that you're strong and you move together. Um, we will meet with the Prime Minister. Of course, I will go back, and the Secretary General is my boss. Um, and it's just as well he's a feminist, because you know sometimes I like to think that it's me that could take the, uh, and Jaya Marini could take the credit for parity and the leadership um, in, in the UN. But no, it isn't. It's a man. Why is that important? Because in this country, by the way, it's two in every three women with their gender-based violence yeah. in Papua New Guinea. It's the highest in the world. Um, you need to know that you won't succeed without the men. So it's not about just women, it's about men and women. And it's this generation that can shape it together. You can show the men now that keep the women out that you will be better off with women with you than without you. And that they have rights to be there. And I think it's really important as you go forward is that you do this together. If you don't do it together, it won't happen. And, and that's, you know, I think we've all learned from that. Many of the things that you've just talked about happening in my country right now. So you're not alone. You're not alone at all. There is not a monopoly on corruption. There is not a monopoly on bad leadership. There is not a monopoly I don't have. But what there is, is hope. Because in this world today, there is a reality. That's what we're all living in today. There's an aspiration. And in some countries, it's very wide. and some, it's a little closer. Our job is to try to close that and to get to the table and stomp on it and make sure that your PR is making the loudest noise that he possibly can. And if he's not, talk to Jayathma, because Jayathma's instructions from the Secretary General are to be disruptive. <laughs> and that's what she does in the event, constantly being disruptive. So last question before we go out. Um, as I go to speak to the PM, and as I return to New York to speak to the Secretary General, and I'm so glad I'm going to go to the Highlands before I go, um, what would be the one message you'd want me to take to them that is of a priority to you. And I'm, I'm not gonna ask the panelists, I know you're representatives, but I'm just gonna go to three people here, um, and you know, you're gonna tell me, and then the rest of you are gonna text me because I will take a whole list of them. So, I don't know what your name is, but you're the first. The lady. Hi, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak. There's a lot of issues that are affecting our young people in our country, and as all of the, my colleagues have mentioned, uh, one thing that I would like you to, to speak to the Prime Minister about is, is for the Prime Minister to make sure that he is including the voices of the youth in all of his decision making in the country. And uh, that includes everyone, not just educated youth, but uneducated. What are his plans? to engage the, the, the rest of the youth that are not, they don't have the opportunities like we do. And how can they be empowered, equipped, um, build with skills 
that they can be uh, of value to the community and give back to the community and build our nation. Um, and to the UN, um, we are determined, as, as my friend has mentioned, and we are optimistic about a big future, and we have the solutions that we can offer to the world. And we would like for Papua New Guinea youths to be um, represented at the, the UN. Thank you. Great, so two messages, intergenerational dialogue, and you want a place at the table intergenerationally. Parliament, the cabinet, business, you want a place there. And the second one is, hear you. You're here, your voice matters, and you want to be part of shaping the 2030 agenda. Fantastic, okay, yes. Uh, thank you, Madam General Secretary. Uh, one of the important things that I think uh, we take note as well is the indigenous empowerment. And it's not only on our laws and uh, what, but also mainly I would like to see in, in terms of resource, uh, resource sector empowerment of our indigenous world, resource owners of our minerals and resources, much of it are going out somewhere somehow. Uh, so we would like to see uh, our countries really look into those resources laws that we have in terms of mining, uh, in terms of uh, gold and LNG and oil and fish and lots and all that. So there's a need for development in our uh, indigenous communities in Papua New Guinea. And while on that note, I would like to mention uh, there's a big need for decolonization uh, empowerment program in Papua New Guinea that needs Papua New Guinea to step up, especially in, the, in our neighboring uh, decolonized, uh, colonized uh, people of West Papua. And I would like to see Papua New Guinea also taking a front lead uh, in that, and UN has to come in and providing some assistance in that so that the PNG as a very neighboring brother needs to uh, take, take the front or driver's uh, seat in, in driving a decolonization of West Papua. And while on that, I would like to make reference to my first question, indigenous empowerment of mineral resources. Because the only thing that is uh, delaying the referendum of West Papua and other is because of the, of the, uh, the uh, the resources that our indigenous people have and the Freeport mining that come from the United States of America. So share the wealth. Definitely, and uh, look, okay. look into it. Okay. Last but not least, on International Women's Day, let's have a Papua New Guinea woman. Thank you, DSG. Um, my name is Deborah Alois. I am a climate justice advocate with 350 PNG. Um, if there is one thing I want you to mention to the Prime Minister when you meet with him, is to remind him that Papua New Guinea is a Pacific Island nation. We are on the front lines of climate change. And the crisis is a reality to us. And as you may know, uh, Papua New Guinea is home to the best climate change refugees in the whole world. And so it is a reality to us. And as present, there is talks and progress towards bringing the coal industry to Papua New Guinea from production, from production to bringing it for energy. And that is, a, that is an issue that we are passionate about, that we are informing and educating our public about so that we can hold our leaders accountable and responsible because we all know that the coal industry throughout history of the world has been bad for climate change, has been bad for people, indigenous people. So please, if there's one thing you mentioned to him, know that PNG and the youths, we do not condone or allow 
for the coal industry to take off in this country. Thank you. The future is not coal, right? So we look forward to your NDC. And um, can I just say, plus, okay, she's looking at her watch, as always. Um, it's been a real honor, privilege um, for us to be here with you today. We will remember the things we have heard you. Uh, let's hope that this conversation can continue because the UN will be more in your lives than you and ours. Um, that you may achieve those aspirations. It's been an, an incredible start to my visit, and I can only say thank you for making the time to speak with us. And uh, we will get there. We will get there, loud and clear. Okay. Thank you very much, is youth and because of that um, the UN here is focusing uh, our UN 75 on the youth population and what their hopes and dreams are for the future. So with that um, I would like to welcome our panelists who are with us today. So firstly the UN Deputy Secretary General Her Excellency Madam Amina J. Mohammed. He is the Ranking official in the United Nations after the Secretary General. Also with us today, we have UNAIDS Executive Director, so she's the head of UNAIDS globally, Ms. Winnie Yanima. And we also have the privilege of having with us the UN Secretary General's Envoy on Youth, Ms. Ms. Jayatma Vikramanayam. Now, uh, for this dialogue, we brought together about 26 young people from across the four regions of the country, and in preparation for the dialogue, they got together in the city to talk about what it is they would like to share on behalf of the youth of Papua New Guinea, um, and on behalf of the youth of Papua New Guinea. And for that, they've selected four speakers who are representing them and the youth here to be on the panel. So I would like to introduce to you our four speakers today. First, we have Mr. David Aumekarupa. David is from the National Youth Development Authority. Uh, we have Yolani Abeku. Biodiversity Network. Mr. Dagia Aka from Transparency. And we have Ms. Lucy Minor who is an advocate for sports and education, and the current Remy Miss PG. This time I would also like to extend a welcome to those who are joining us on Facebook Live uh, and also on NBC. Uh, without further ado, I would like to hand over the floor to Madam. Excellencies, everyone. <laughs> but uh, first of all, happy Women's Day because what a place to be in. <laughs> 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 
when the UN comes to Papua New Guinea for Women's Day and that you don't have to go to New York. And, and that's important for us. This is what my sister Winnie and Jan um, were, were really absolutely on top of it, saying we have to get out of our capitals and come here. So it's really wonderful to be with you. Um, it is uh, UN at 75. Uh, we are part of the global village, all of us. And as I look around here, I'm looking at you and thinking this is just like looking at people at home. When he's from Uganda, I'm from Nigeria, and there's still like the hint, you could all be from Nigeria as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and the UN at 75 means a lot to us because for the first time you have a Secretary General who, first of all, is a feminist and puts women first, um, but he also believes in being inclusive and that we are the global village, um, and the, the town hall is the UN. Everyone has a voice, and it's up to us to bring that voice into it. And so, as we shape um, the next 75 years, we think it should be done together. It should be done, women and men shaping the future. What better way to start than the youth? Um, we've started asking a number of questions around the world, and the same to all youth. And it's really interesting to, to see what, you, what your take is on that, because as part of the, this village, it's, it's really important. Um, and that first question I'd like to put out to um, our audience here. And I know you've got three cards, uh, um, red, green, yellow, yes? Um, and I think the yellow is, I don't know. We have decided, okay. Um, and, and then I would come back with some very quick, um, as they say, uh, fast answers from our panel um, with the same question. And if you think about it in a tweet, that's how short. Um, so the, the first is that in, in um, 2045, another 25, 75 years from now, would you think that the world would be a better place, uh, a worse place, or the same? So, better place. Wow. Um, worse? Okay. I need a time. Right, so let's come back to the panel because these are your representatives as well and, and it'd be really good to hear what they have to say because it's Women's Day and we've started this. Well, first of all, can I just say it's such an honor to be, to have you in our country. And based on what my group has concluded is that it's up to us as an individual. We don't have control of what we don't have control of, but what we do have control of is ourselves and our actions. It takes action to make change happen. And with, here in Papua New Guinea, we have at least two families that live in a home. So when we have at least an individual that sets that good example, that spreads the, the message, the good message, the awareness, then only then can we hope that that would influence and impact our families, which in turn would impact our communities, and then we can progress into the right direction. Well, we saw a number of green cards go up, and I think it's safe to say that the majority felt that in 25 years, that the people would be better off than what they see today. However, given the yellow cards that went up, we did say that in order for that to be possible, there are a few things that need to happen. First and foremost, ensuring that we have strong governance institutions to ensure countries are run properly. Secondly, ensuring that there is proper delivery of services and equal distribution of resources to all areas around any country, most especially rural areas. And finally, ensuring that more opportunities are available for people, most especially young people, to ensure that they're properly engaged and can contribute positively to their country. Fantastic. 
fantastic. You've got a good idea what the challenges are. You have the solutions, and really, basically, the old people should move aside. Like 
on behalf of the young people, the equal access to services, resources, and distribution of wealth, because the literacy rate of Papua New Guinea is also 56%, and here we're talking about 44%, which is illiterate according to the Papua New Guinea Education Advocacy Network. And one in five women die of childbirth. So these are effects of um, distribution, lack of distribution of wealth evenly. Um, also, we'd like to see an inclusive world where we can embrace diversity, that we can coexist and co-create at the same time. So as young people, I think that our influence and who we choose to be our leaders in the political space does really drive um, the three first priorities that I have mentioned to become reality. Thank you.
is making sure that a person in Papua New Guinea is saying, I'm here, please listen to me. But it's not just please listen to me, I can contribute to how this world will be. So I think in terms of the three things that we can make sure that we see the type of future that we want in 2045, I'm going to say that first and foremost, empowerment. As an empowered young person, I must make sure that it doesn't stop with me, but it continues to every single young person out there. And that means making sure that those in rural areas, those that don't have the opportunities such as we do, are also empowered so they can in turn contribute and create the type of future that they want for themselves. But after empowering them, ensuring that there are pathways and avenues for them to use these things that they have been empowered with, to use their voices, to use their skills, and whatever it is that they have been bestowed with. And the final thing, ensuring that they are able to get their views and their opinions properly integrated and put into policies and anything that affects them as young people. And I just wanted to add on in, in our discussions, apart from the top three things that we can do as young people, we also said that three things that we wanted to see come 2045 is number one, to provide a, look, a bit of local context. Um, we have a lot of crimes within urban areas and tribal conflicts within rural areas. And so we wanted to make sure that come 2045, there's disarmament and proper regulation of weapons to ensure safety of people within society. We also wanted to say that we want to ensure that come 2045, we have responsive and strong leadership, ensuring that the leaders that we have are able to take into account what citizens say and be able to create a country that is economically stable and caters for every single citizen. But most importantly, we also said that we wanted to ensure that we have enforced and properly um, informed policies and or laws, ensuring that any policy or law is created is once is specifically informed, taking into account local realities and enforced so that they're not pieces of writing on, on paper, but they're out there making sure that we protect the rights of the marginalized, such as women and young people. Your question was what three things are we doing? I'm gonna share what three things we'd like to see and within my own group, what we have been doing in terms of to get to that. The first thing is we'd like to see equal representation in all genders with regards to education. Here in Papua New Guinea, as young girls get into higher education, that number slowly decreases and for numerous reasons. I am Miss Pacific Islands, Papua New Guinea, and part of my platform, we give out scholarships. We'd like to see the same opportunities given, but not just at the tertiary level, but at the lower education level as well. We'd like to see more representation of the youths, and we are thankful to the UNMPG to host this, because if it wasn't for this, we would not have all met. And we are committed to staying in touch and networking so that we can have more conversations like this, and I'm thankful to the UN for sparking this that's global and it's not just happening in Papua New Guinea or the Pacific but everywhere else like where you come from as well. And so one thing we can do is we can stay committed to continually having these discussions and pushing forward the agendas, especially having our voices heard, not just within our country but make a movement and get that message to our political leaders because at the end of the day they're the ones who make the decisions. But we are also responsible of that because we appoint them in there. And so if you really think about it, you know, if actions are not taken, then we, the people, are in charge and we can do something about that. The third thing is having information available. 
Papua New Guinea is geographically challenged. A lot of time, everyone flew in, well not everyone, some of us are from the capital, but to get to different provinces within our country, unlike the United States, for example, where you can drive, here you might have to get on a plane. Once you get there, it's maybe another two hours driving on dirt road. Then you get there, maybe you might have to get on a boat. If I take days, depends on where you come from. You get there, it's another maybe a couple hours of walking. And there are a lot of services and resources available, but our people, which about 70 to 80% of the people live in rural areas, don't have access to this information. And so my peers, I know they, who come from rural areas, are spreading that and making information available, but also challenging themselves to translate that information to where our people in the rural areas understand as well. Thank you very much for all of you sharing such honest reflections of uh, what you want to see in the future, but also what you are doing um, right now. When I, for an example, at the UN, trying to push for more meaningful youth engagement in the work that we do at the global level, regional level, and country level, I make three arguments. The first one is if you, young people have a right to participate in decisions that affect our lives, right? How do you expect us to own institutions, policies, and programs that affect our lives if we were not a part of making them at the first place? And secondly, we, and most of you said this, we need board of leaders accountable. We will be the ones who vote, we will be the ones who will be protesting on the streets, who will be holding these institutions, politicians, leaders to account. So accountability, I think young people as a generation, we are very strong on holding our leaders to account. And the third is that we are the ones who are bringing the critical voice into institutions, into organizations, into conversations. And I think we've heard some of those critical voices right now in these first two rounds of questions. But I would really try to poke you a little bit more and provoke you and to be as critical as possible and also to share um, what challenges do you aspire in achieving this world in 2045 and achieving the three targets or, or um, your dreams for the for 2045? What challenges do you see both in the context of Papua New Guinea but also in the global context that the United Nations as an intergovernmental organization um, operate? And how do you how would you critically evaluate the role of the United Nations both here in, in PNG and, and how would you recommend that we uh, cope with those challenges or, or deal with those challenges? I know that this is a very big question, but I would really like to hear your unfiltered opinions on this. So just before we continue, I would like to remind the panelists uh, to be mindful of the time as we have 25 minutes. Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm from PSG Hasrodi. I come from Uganda. That's in East Africa. I want to read you one word from our language, Swahili. That word is, I'm going to say, then you repeat it. Huh? It's Harabe. Say, Harabe. So, Harabe. 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 Now, that word means all together. All together. And it was a rallying cry of our people when they were calling out for, struggling for independence. You mentioned that your country is 45 years old. Most of our countries became independent about that time, a little earlier, 50, 60 years ago. And that was a rallying call all together. 
That's my message to you, my friends. The future is yours. It's for young people. But it starts with action. Each of you is an activist, and welcome to that. Each of you is acting individually, but I believe in movements and for movements. It's the collective that makes big change happen. So organize, 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 pull together, and you will change the world. So I come from social movements, from the women's movement, and that essentially was the women's movement. We made you change in the 20th century for women. There's still battles to fight, but we've made a big progress in the last 25, 40, 50 years. This is your century. This is the young people's century. So pull together. Harambe! Harambe! So I'll start off with the expected challenges as young people that we see in um, in terms of trying to expect the 2045 we want. And as a strong feminist, um, a male champion that um, advocates for women, I'd like to see uh, uh, the challenges that we expect in the future is one on law reforms because we have laws that are in place that discriminate women, girls, LGBTQI to have access to civic participation, freedom of movement, and to co-create while we co-exist. Secondly, one of the challenges that we see itself is the youth because youth make up 60% of the population. But if more investment is poured into youth and youth are not tokenized, the youth are brought to the tables for consultation, but have to be in the processes of planning, implementation, monitoring, evaluation, and holding government and protagonist actors accountable, then that is one of the challenges that we see, but that is a way forward that we um, aspire to have that happen um, in Papua New Guinea. And another challenge that we also um, expect is the management of resources and finances and the lack of good governance that exists in Papua New Guinea may I bluntly speak as we talk the Asia Pacific um, in corruption um, in the it's corruption index global index and I would like to um, also be optimistic that this generation is looking forward so while we're still optimistic in fighting corruption, we still acknowledge that those challenges do still exist. And let me also reiterate that we are not the now only, but we are the future. And we are the ones who actually shape an anti-corrupt Papua New Guinea, and as well as an inclusive, and also work towards um, reforming those laws that discriminate women, girls, and people of diverse sexualities and identities. Thank you. So, um, yes. So you asked um, a question on the role of the UN and how to protect things and how um, we can come in and not only see the obstacle but also uh, overcoming the conflict. So Papua New Guinea is, um, the climate crisis, we are an island nation, we are going down, our coast is going down. So I work in a place where big villages now have 10 houses there. You know? And when um, 
when Lucy was talking about how logistically challenging it can be, um, where I come from to come to the nearest um, urban station, uh, you have to travel. So when you say pull together, pull in competition is like pedal, pull that can wrap, pedal that can pull. Okay. So you paddle that canoe to get to where you want to go, and sometimes you have to sleep in the middle of the river with the crocodiles and with whatever's inside there, because you pull, but you can only pull as much. Okay. And so what we are doing, I'm looking at Yana, she's nodding at me. Yana has to walk. Well, I'm out of her place uh, where she comes from, her village. You have to get a plane, a little tiny plane. Look at the toy She has to get a little toy plane and come out of there just to come here. And if there's no plane coming that week, we walk. Because the roads are too bad to, for the car to go. You walk out for days. And that does mean that you're going to have to sleep beside the road a couple of nights. A couple of nights to get to Bay, to get to Morris. And that's where they came from, okay? She came from there. Island, Bougainville came from somewhere, okay? Um, we are just an island of rugged terrain. So pulling together could also mean climbing over the over a mountain, a limestone, a limestone mountain where you have nothing to grasp onto, except digging your hands into the soil and just climbing up. I've actually been to a place where I have to dig my hands in because there's nothing else to hold on to when you're climbing up that mountain. And what we have here is a group of very determined people, but they know where they came from. Okay. And again, how much do we contribute? So how work with And how do we pull together? We go into all those places and we've done it before. And we walk out. If we, if we climb up the mountain, we climb it because we're sitting here representing everybody who walked and climbed and went through that forest to get here. Okay? And what role do you play? We've come a long way and we've worked hard to come that way. Whether it's just fighting a war if you walking through a river of infected crocodiles. We came a long way. You said you are a room. Okay, you are a room that we all met inside. I used your the example of King Arthur when I was explaining what the UN was. We are the round table that we all sit around. And so when people have come a long way, they're not here to take time. Okay, we And so um, our message to what you do, be the be the table we can all sit at. We accept that. But be the strong table. Because when Papua New Guinea comes and it sits down and the person on the other side of the table is listening, we're going to stand on your table and tap down and say, please sir, will you hear us? <laughs> so I would be like, be the strong table, because the change that you want, you want, we're ready to do it. Are you ready to receive it? So I think a lot has been said in terms of the obstacles that we face when trying to get to the vision that we want to see in 25 years. So I'd just like to really focus on how can the UN um, ensure that we meet uh, what we want to see in 25 years and also adapt or change to ensure that these visions are, are achieved. And I think a lot of times when it comes to issues within country, the UN does come and help in terms of providing solutions, providing advice, providing expertise. But I think a lot can be achieved if, in terms of the UN's participation in achieving this vision, that we start identifying local solutions and local drivers to bring about the change that we want to see within countries. Papua New Guinea, in the four regions that we have, already knew how to build houses before 
someone came in and told us that there was one way to build a house. In the same way, there are many solutions that we have other than the one solution that's been brought in. So please, have these local dialogues, not just with us, but go down into these communities and talk about how we can work as a country to solve these issues that we see. I think the diversity in Papua New Guinea is something that should be nurtured and respected and not forced to be confined within a box. We can create
building challenges, but I see an openness for young people in the center and the newness of things. No better person to tell you how it is there for you than our institution. Thank you very much. Well, we're running out of time, and that's always what we never have enough of. But um, we leave you with all the time and for you to set the, the pace of the urgency. I, I feel the urgency in your voice. Things need to happen yesterday. Um, and, and that's where we all need to be. Let me just say that it is a journey. Um, both Winnie and myself, and not so much Jan, which is you know, halfway there. On our journey, we've been 30, 35 years doing this, and we started young like you, and nobody could tell us what to do or how to do it, and now 30 odd years later, we really need to be passing that, that baton, but not moving out of the way, moving behind you, which is why today, global comes to local. Um, it's fantastic to hear, you know, all, you know you've been really honest with us, you don't know what the UN is doing here, um, so there's a job for John Luca. Um, who's there with a team, um, and that team needs to do more, it needs to reach out because it's difficult here, um, and we also need to work with government to make sure that they're hearing their voices. The UN convenes, it convenes that voice, and, and you know, the richness of this, um, this country, you have a tapestry and you have 800 threads that all, you know, are bright and shining, and so your diversity is your richness. And that's what you have to really continue um, to sell uh, to your people, to the rest of the world. Um, and don't let that fabric be torn because it's very easy to tear it. You are a resource-rich country. As you try to share the wealth, it will, be, it will stretch, it will become uh, weaker. But you have to keep pulling on those threads to make sure that you're strong and you move together. Um, we will meet with the Prime Minister. Of course, I will go back and the Secretary General is my boss. Um, and it's just as well as a feminist because you know, sometimes I like to think that it's me that could take the, uh, Marini could take the credit for parity and the leadership um, in, in the UN, but no it isn't. It's a man. Why is that important? Because in this country, by the way, it's two in every three women with their gender-based violence and partner again, it's the highest in the world. Um, you need to know that you won't succeed without the men. So it's not about just women, it's about men and women, and it's this generation that can shape it together. You can show the men now that keep the women out that you will be better off with women with you than without you. And that they have rights to be there. And I think it's really important as you go forward is that you do this together. If you don't do it together, it won't happen. And, and that's, you know, I think we will learn from that. Many of the things that you've just talked about happening in my country right now. So you're not alone. You're not alone at all. There is not a monopoly on corruption. There is not a monopoly on bad leadership. There is not a monopoly I don't have. But what there is, is hope. Because in this world today, there is a reality. That's what we're all living in today. There's an aspiration. And in some countries, it's very wide, and some it's a little closer. Our job is to try to close that, and to get to the table and stomp on it, and make sure that your PR is making the loudest noise that we possibly can. And if it's not, talk to Jayathma, because Jayathma's instructions from the Secretary General are to be disruptive. And that's what she does in the event, constantly being disruptive. So last question before we go out. Um, as I go to speak to the PM, and as I return to New York to speak to the Secretary General, and I'm so glad I'm going to do the high runs before I go, um, what would be the one message you'd want me to take to them that is of a priority to you? And I'm not going to ask the panelists, I know you're representatives, but I'm just going to go to three people here 
um, and you know, you're going to tell me, and then the rest of you are going to text me because I will take a whole list of them. So, I don't know what your name is, but you're the first. The lady. Hi. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak. There's a lot of issues that are affecting our young people in our country, and as all of the, my colleagues have mentioned. Uh, one thing that I would like you to, to speak to the Prime Minister about is, is for the Prime Minister to make sure that he is including the voices of the youth in all of his decision makings in the country. And uh, that includes everyone, not just educated youth, but uneducated. What are his plans? to engage the, the, the rest of the youth that are not, they don't have the opportunities like we do. And how can they be empowered, equipped, um, building skills that they can be uh, of value to the community and give back to the community and build our nation. Um, and to the UN, um, we are determined, as, as my friend has mentioned, and we are optimistic about a big future and we have the solutions that we can offer to the world. And we would like for Papua New Guinea youths to be um, represented at the, the UN. Thank you. Great, so two messages, intergenerational dialogue, and we want a place at the table, intergenerationally, parliament, the cabinet, business, we want a place there. And the second one is, you're here, your voice matters, and you want to be part of shaping the country. Okay, yes. Uh, thank you, Madam General Secretary. Uh, one of the important things that I think we uh, take note as well is the indigenous empowerment. And it's not only on our laws and uh, what, but also mainly I would like to see in, in terms of resource, uh, resource sector empowerment of our indigenous world, resource owners of our minerals and resources, most of it are going out somewhere somehow. Uh, so we would like to see our countries really look into those resources laws that we have in terms of mining, uh, in terms of uh, gold and LNG, and oil and fish and lots and all that. So that there's a need for development in our uh, indigenous communities in Papua And while on that note, I would like to mention uh, there's a big need for decolonization uh, empowerment program in Papua that needs Papua to step up, especially in, the, in our neighboring uh, decolonize, uh, colonize uh, people of West Papua. And I would like to see Papua New Guinea also taking a front lead uh, in that, and UN has to uh, come in and providing some assistance in that, so that uh, PNG as a very neighboring brother needs to uh, take, take the front or brother's uh, seat in, in driving a decolonization of West Papua. And while on that, I would like to make reference to my first person, indigenous empowerment of mineral resources, because the only thing that is uh, delaying the referendum of West Papua and other is because of the of the, uh, the 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 resources that our indigenous people have and the preferred mining that come from the United States so Share the wealth. Definitely and uh, look, okay. look into it. Okay. Last but not least, on International Women's Day, let's have a Papua New Guinea woman. Thank you, Um my name is Deborah Alois. I am a climate justice advocate with 350 PNG. Um, if there is one thing I want you to mention to the Prime Minister when you meet with him, is to remind him that 
the Papua New Guinea is a Pacific Island nation, we are on the front lines of climate change. And the crisis is a reality to us. And as you may know, uh, Papua New Guinea is home to the first climate change refugees in the whole world. And so it is a reality to us. And as present, there is talks and progress towards bringing the coal industry to Papua New Guinea from production, from production to bringing it for energy. And that is, a, that is an issue that we are passionate about, that we are informing and educating our public about so that we can hold our leaders accountable and responsible because we all know that the coal industry throughout history of the world has been bad for climate change, has been bad for people, indigenous people. So please, if there's one thing you mentioned to him, know that PNG and the youths who do not condone or allow for the coal industry to take off in this country. Thank you. The future is not coal, right? So we look forward to your MDC. And um, can I just say to us, okay, she's looking at a watch, as always. Um, it's been a real honor, privilege um, for us to be here with you today. We will remember the things we have heard you. Uh, let's hope that this conversation can continue because the UN will be more in your lives than you and ours. Um, that you may achieve those aspirations. It's been an, an incredible start to my visit, and I can only say thank you for making the time to speak with us. And uh, we will get there. We will get there loud and clear. Thank you very much,